Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast, where I bring you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. This is Ryan Tansom, your host, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. This is your host, Ryan Tansom, and today's guest is a great guest. Sam Thompson was the owner of Metro Connections with a couple partners of his, and together they grew a very successful business over a couple decades, and the interesting thing about Sam's story is he actually did a lot of preparation prior to exiting his company and explored a lot of the different scenarios that you hope everybody would go through, but in my experience, not everybody always takes the time or the effort to do so. So... Sam's going to explain to us how he went about doing it, what are some of the people and the different scenarios that he ran through, and why he decided to move on. And I think one of the key elements in this story is he had a very good idea of what he wanted to do next. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the interview with Sam Thompson. Warren, Sam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for coming on to the Life After Business podcast show. Yeah, glad to be here. So why don't you just give our listeners a little bit of a rundown on uh, how you became an entrepreneur and a little bit of the description of the business you used to own. Sure. I, um, believe it or not, I, I went into the, an industry that I went to school for. I graduated with uh, uh, hospitality management. And uh, right out of college, I um, went to work for a company called Business Incentives, or nowadays they're, they're known as BI. What they did is they would uh, run incentive trips for major corporations, and uh, my job was as a travel advisor. So I would go into uh, these cities ahead of the groups, um, you know, Acapulco or Hawaii or wherever, and just make sure everything's set up. You know, hotels set up, the golf courses for the golf tournaments, if we're doing tours, that type of thing. So I did that for a couple of years, and uh, it really had a, a big impact on me. Uh, as far as what I ended up doing into the future, what was uh, some what was some of the biggest impact that uh, led your led your way? Well, just as far as um, you know, I remember there was a group inter- international harvester we had uh, in Hawaii, and it was back to back to back, and you know I think six weeks of it, you know, meeting them out at the airport and getting them on the right buses and moving them around to luau's and uh, just seeing how. It's a behind-the-scenes type of work that people don't appreciate, really, unless it goes wrong. And uh, so I, I really uh, fell in love with that type of work. I ended up, from business incentives, uh, going to a resort in northern Minnesota called Quadna, where I was the director of sales. And so many major corporations would come up to Quadna, uh, the 3Ms and General Mills of the world, and I'd talk with meeting planners and they'd say, you know, there really isn't a good, at the time it was called ground operator. Uh, eventually it was, uh, it became destination management and even grew from that. So I, I have these discussions with meeting planners from Minneapolis and they'd say, yeah, there just, there isn't a good one in the Twin Cities. And so um, that stuck with me and uh, in 1984 I ended up uh, opening my business, uh, Metro Connections. And um, just myself, and I was in one of these incubators over in Energy Park uh, in St. Paul, where uh, they'd have one receptionist, 
and then there'd be all of us startups uh, trying to survive. And uh, uh, I ended up, um, I remember I started with $3,000 that I had saved from, from working up at Quadna. And that was gone in about a month. And so I had to have my, my dad co-sign on a loan to, to just survive. But, um, but I did survive. And um, I ended up bringing on partners as I was growing the business and uh, ended up bringing on three partners. So when is your bringing on, what, what was the time frame from when uh, you started kind of making it on your own to when you brought in the couple partners? My first partner was four years after I had started, and it was my brother-in-law, David Graves. And um, he came on. He was working in the working sales for the Marriott, and uh, he came on for a year and was just an employee. And then after a year, he was able to uh, acquire shares. And then his brother Mike Graves came on right around that same time on a part-time basis. Yet he ended up acquiring shares more into. Oh, early 90s. I remember we had uh, the Olympic Festival was going on, and that was the first time we could actually hire, my, employ my full time. Interesting. So when you're, what well, I guess a couple questions. So why, what, what, what happened? Were they bought into the shares? Was there a reasoning that you wanted? Did they contribute capital? And how, what, what was the the kind of the dialogue that was going between you guys? Well, I remember. One time when I first started the business, I had to have been within the first six months, I met with a, a score representative and he was a, a previous business owner and he said, you know, the one thing the one thing that he left me was don't be so concerned about having 100% shares that if you find good people, um, find a way to make them owners of your business. And both David and Mike were phenomenal and I, I knew I needed them if I wanted to grow the business. And so we worked it out. Uh, we, you know, we discounted what our uh, the value of our shares were to make it affordable, and worked out contracts with them so that they, um, on an annual basis, towards the end of the year, you know, we do some bonusing that would help them acquire shares, and you know, it worked out well. That's, that's so, interesting. Yeah, and the third partner came on. Tom McCullough came on in '98, and uh, 1998, and. Uh, so as a business grew, and, and just so you know a little bit more about Metro Connections, so you have an understanding of what, what we do or did, and they still do, is uh, it's a conference event uh, and transportation services. So when major conventions, uh, major events would come into the Twin Cities, uh, we would be there to service them. And we would provide all kinds of services from major shuttle systems to productions where they needed uh, proper staging and videoing uh, to theme parties to their registration uh, as far as full registration services and uh, uh, yeah it really was we, we, we just didn't say no I mean if if a conference or an event needed something we usually figured out a way to get it done and we took on some pretty big things that came into the Twin Cities. We worked with the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous Convention, which was the largest convention ever to come into the Twin Cities. I think that was in 2000. Had about 50,000 people. Uh, Holy cow. Yeah, we, then when the Super Bowl was here in 92, uh, we worked with that. We had about, oh, I want to say eight to nine good corporate events. 
Uh, and we saw more revenue in that one week than uh, we did in four months. It was just unbelievable. Uh, just to give you an idea of the kinds of things we did, uh, Chrysler had us uh, take over, at the time it was called Canterbury Downs, now it's Canterbury Park. But Chrysler had us take that over. We, we created a winter wonderland. <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh, it was great. We brought in snowmobiles. We, we created these cross-country ski trails. We had ice sculptures of their vehicles. Uh, we had a skating rink. We brought in all the warm clothes. Uh, and they absolutely loved it. It was a great event. That's awesome. So when these customers of yours are engaging with you, give us a little bit of a rundown of exactly how the contracts worked or how the uh, engagements or the revenue flew, flew um, came in and out of the in and out of the company. Yeah, the... Um, you know, we would we would charge various ways. Uh, it, it really depended depended on what type of services they needed. Uh, you know, if it was a let's say it's an association convention where the people are paying on their own, then we would have a per person price that the people would pay individually. Uh, if it were a, a major corporate group, and let's say they needed a theme party, you know, maybe we'd say, okay, to do that, it's twenty five thousand dollars and this is what you get and it would uh, lay out the different props we provide and uh, the staffing needed and, and uh, our fee would be built into that uh, so yeah it was very there's a need for this service throughout the world and uh, when i had left when i sold the business uh, the revenues were at uh, right around 16 million Nice. So what, what, what kind of growth did you experience over the years that you were, uh, were um, one of the partners? Well, in the early years, it seemed like we were doubling our sales. And then we kind of leveled off uh, for a while at about that uh, 5 million mark. And, um, and then we just continued to grow. Uh, I, I remember 9-11, we, um, we really took a beating. That was, um, I think in, in that one week after 9-11, we lost about 30 groups, either oh events. Or, yeah, it was incredible. We were doing a lot of refunding back. And we, we really had to change our model somewhat in that, um, you know, we were fairly dependent on uh, groups flying in. And after 9-11, nobody was flying. So what we ended up doing, uh, we ended up in, in 2003 – uh, buying a warehouse in Burnsville, 35,000 square foot warehouse, and really focused on team building, working with corporations that are here locally that they weren't flying either, but they needed to meet. They needed uh, to boost their morale. And so we would come up with all these different team building activities, and it really took off and it really helped. Uh, you know, chili cook offs and, and garage wars where we would uh, build these bicycles for charity and uh, it just uh, it, it, it was uh, it was a good thing to do to uh, continue bringing in revenue and to continue to uh, keep our employees on nice so then it, you know between 9 11 and uh, the the time you decided to sell explain to the listeners a little bit about why you decided or what was there a triggering event or was there something that happened personally or within the business? 
You know, I don't think there was one triggering event. Um, I I want to say around the early 2000s, I started thinking about exiting, uh, but not real seriously. I'd go to seminars and, and listen to uh, companies like Calhoun companies that would um, talk about how to exit your business. And I want to say around 2010, I um, I actually got the book Built to Sell from John Warlow and um, shared it with my partners. And we all read it and said, yeah, you know, we, we need to do some things to increase the value of our business and also to be ready when we're ready to leave. And so we started changing some things. And uh, what was the first thing that you that uh, was there a couple like major ahas that you uh, found after you read the book? Yeah, I think the the, the main thing was to look at the the team of employees we have or had and um, say, okay, let's let's give them more responsibility. Well, let's get it to the point where they can run things and they're not so dependent on us. And um, uh, we really had a good staff. Um, when I left, we had about 60 employees uh, full-time and then part-time, maybe another 60. Uh, but we would, uh, and, and that's really how I was able to leave, was that I took all the things that I was doing. And what we ended up doing with our partnership is we really took areas of the business and we all over, we oversaw each area. So I oversaw the finance, the HR, uh, transportation and tours. Uh, David over worked out of our, our warehouse and he oversaw the events and production. Mike and Tom oversaw conference services with the registration and Tom focused more on the marketing. So you know, we all said, okay, let's figure out ways that we can give more responsibility to our employees. I ended up uh, giving more responsibility uh, to a, a woman that was more in our accounting and she became the finance manager. Another woman became our HR manager. And then another woman that was in transportation tours, I uh, ended up uh, promoting her to be the director of the department. And so really, I, uh, I had myself uh, sitting in the corner office not really being all that needed. And was that, was that I, tough to not be needed, or was it because it was part of your plan that it didn't bother you? Oh, it was tough. I mean, it it it. it I mean, it was part of the plan, uh, but it, it it became somewhat boring. And um, uh, but I knew that's what I needed to do if I was going to exit the business and not have the business so dependent on me. And uh, so yeah, that's. That's really what we did. So a couple questions for you because, you know, I think there's this uh, connotation of exit planning that it's a transaction, right? Or that, you know, I actually go back to my, when uh, my dad and I owned our business where if you go to an exit planning seminar, your employees are going to freak out because they think you're selling right away. You know, how did you navigate that or did you experience any of that? You know, I did. And, uh, I never had a situation where an employee said, oh, what were you going to that seminar for? But I, I had a funny situation where I was in one, and you're all, always, like you say, you're kind of hiding in the back, hoping nobody sees you. And um, <laughs> one, of, one of my vendors was there. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we both tried to do the hide thing, and then we finally had a break, went up to each other and just kind of laughed and said, okay, you don't say anything if I don't say anything. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of these seminars are, are really put on to uh, grow your business and to improve the value. And so, I mean, if I was ever approached on it, and then that's what I was doing anyway. So. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of our listeners and a lot of people that I know and probably you know think about. It's like it's actually a process. It's not a transaction. It doesn't mean that you're going – I mean it's the reality of the world that we live in that you will eventually leave your business and it just doesn't necessarily mean today. So I think it's – yeah, it's a it's a myth that almost needs to be debunked a little bit where you got to – I mean for you, there's not a lot of people that I know that, have st- that start a process that soon and actually – start to implement it like that. So it's very interesting. So yeah, it is a process. I mean, as mentioned, I started in 2005 and I sold in 2012. Um, I got serious in 2010. And so it, that was two years and you know, I'm selling businesses now. And, and I tell business owners, I tell them expect once you've decided you're ready to sell, um, it even, takes there's even a process there it takes six months to a year once you've signed a contract and said yes i'm ready to go so you really need to allow the time so as you were going through that process you know obviously the name of the podcast is life after business did you have any idea what that was going to be like for you or were you more focused on the process in your business well, what I did was at the same time in 2010, I was saying, okay, I'm going to exit the business. What do I want to do afterwards? And I had done some research and checking on careers uh, because I just wasn't ready to retire and do nothing and had looked into a business brokerage and selling businesses. And I went to a convention, their international convention, and ended up really liking it. And, and liking what the lifestyle can be. It's, it's a good career to have once you get into your 60s and 70s. Um, uh, the, the knowledge and the experience is, is needed. So I ended up getting certified to be a, a business intermediary. So I, my mindset really was my next career. Um, so as I was going through the process to sell my business, um, I was thinking more and more as the months went on about this new career and less and less about my, my, my business. So you're, you're creating that second career, which uh, there's a book called uh, Second Half by Bob Bifford, where they talk about building your second career while you're currently in your first career. It's an interesting thought process. It really makes sense that if you're going to sell your business, you really need to have a plan as to what you, you are going to do once you exit the business. And, um, you know, I'm selling businesses now and I'm amazed at how many business owners don't have a plan that they, they sell and they think, okay, I have this windfall. I'll sit around and play golf and travel a lot. And we've even, we've even had business owners that do that for a couple of years and then they come back and go, okay, I'm going crazy. Um, I need to find another business to buy. And, and if they're buying another business, it's usually a smaller one. So there's not as much stress, but, they are buying another business just to keep busy. To keep in the game, as I was told by one person. Yep, exactly. So as you were going through the transition, um, explain a little bit about the actual uh, sale process. You know, What was the process that you went through to get it valued? And then who did you look to for the potential acquirers? Well, what happened was we... My partners and I, we always would do a, a meeting, a retreat in the fall, 
And uh, I think it was 2011 where I went to my partners and I said, okay, guys, uh, I'm ready to exit. Let's sell the business. And they looked at me like I was crazy and said, well, we don't want to sell. Um, and they're younger than I am. And they, you know, they were really into what, what was going on at the time. And, and so I said, okay, then we need to work something out where the business buys me out. And um, so that's what we did. We, uh, I, I worked with our CPA and our business attorney, um, who our attorney actually was a business attorney, and that's real important. And people know when they go through the process, you want a business attorney uh, because they can, they know how to get these deals done, and uh, they're very knowledgeable on selling businesses. So we leaned on them. Uh, we had a the valuation we did. We always would have a valuation because we had a buy sell in place. So we did one every year with our accountant, and we always felt our accountant's valuation was probably somewhat conservative. And so what we all agreed to was, let's take our accountant's valuation and let's go out and get one from a business broker who we think would be maybe a little higher. And it did turn out that way. And, and we said, okay, let's take the average of that, and that's what the price will be. And we all agreed to that, and there were no issues with it. So when and, what what was the year or the time frame? Because you said between well, this would have been 2011, towards the end of 2011. So it still took a full year to get the deal done. Uh, there was just a lot of they weren't sure about it. I was I was sure about it. I knew I wanted to move on, and it, it, their hesitation wasn't so much with the value of the business. It was their hesitation really was on. You know how much value I had to the business and how much I'd be missed, um, which I knew I wasn't contributing as much anymore that I had removed myself. So, so that really wasn't a concern. And I think they also were concerned about, okay, the, the company's going to pay all this money out to Sam. That's going to be a big hit, um, which I explained to them. Yeah, but I'm also going to be gone. And um, right now, I'm I'm expensive to the business. And they finally, you know, it took a year to, to realize that. We had many meetings about it. And um, I think, you know, the business continues to grow. It's doing better than when I was there. And um, I, I think they're realizing it now that when they do distributions, it's not for, with four people, but it's with three. And they really like that. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so your but, agreement with them was an earnout over a certain period of time? Well, what we were going to do, we were going to do an SBA loan. And I, at the time, was all for that. I thought, great, let's do SBA. Um, I'll get paid all at once. And, um, you know, sometimes with SBA, there there is a promissory note that uh, the seller has to have. But it's usually minor, you know, maybe 5 or 10%. So I was all for the SBA. Uh, it didn't work out, though, to go with SBA because... The way SBA works is if, if there are assets out there, um, SBA locks onto that. And with owner, with the, the partners, it was hev more heavily with, with one partner. And so it was difficult for him to agree to an SBA situation where he's really putting collateral down for a lot of his assets. So, and so that was kind of, you know, at the beginning of the process. So then we, the process stopped and I said, okay, how are we going to get this deal done? And so I ended up having to be the bank. So we didn't do an earnout. There was no earnout involved. Uh, you know, where you look at the, 
the, the success of the business and getting paid off of how how much better the business does in the future. Instead, what we did was a promissory note where I was the bank, and we did it for seven years, and so I'm in the middle of it right now. And in hindsight, I'm thinking the promissory note was the way to go. Uh, it, it really was. I'm I'm gaining interest on it, and uh, there's a monthly check, and uh, we did work out throughout. I I knew when the, the cash flow was the best for the business. So we did work out that first year, a couple of balloon payments that really wouldn't affect the business too much because the cash flow was so strong. Mm-hmm. Did you ever at any point wonder if, what, it, what you would have gotten if you would have sold it to a third party or did you just know that it was right based on your partner and the dynamics between you guys? Well, my thought was if we would have, gone out to market to a third party probably would have gotten a higher price but um, it's it, it, how much higher I don't know and um, I just it, it, it felt right to do it um, and in part of the deal we worked out was that I would stay on for a year on a part-time basis and so I was doing that I I came in my, my office with business brokerage wasn't too far from my old business office. And so I came in um, on Wednesday and Friday mornings. And about halfway through the year, I, I told the guys, I said, you know what? You're wasting your money. Um, you know, I, I, everything's done. Everybody's running the show here. I'm not needed. And they agreed. And so I, even though we had a transition period of a year, we ended up only doing it for six months. Interesting. And I think you hit on something that is a, a good gem because you said it felt right. And I, th- you know, there's a lot of business owners and a, uh, a lot of our listeners where once you understand that you've got enough money afterwards, that there is this variable of feeling right and making sure you're happy afterwards. And whether it's internal or external, you know, to a third party, how you leave your legacy or leave your business is important in understanding what's in, what actually will make you happy and what feels right to you is a is a very important variable and i don't know uh with your experience on you know the business owners you're working with today if do you do you emphasize that to individuals and how do you how do you quantify that yeah with the with the owners that i'm i'm dealing with now it's it's interesting because um you know, I'll go in and do evaluation, and um, their their expectations are always so high, and um, usually my valuation is lower than what they think. And uh, many times I'll just say to them, you know, uh, let's work on your business end because um, um, what what you want is you're not there, uh, and 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 the owners do need to in in. Quite often, then they will then step back and say, "Okay, um, I'm, I'm hearing what the market's telling me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm realizing that I need to be, you know, at a, a certain uh, price." And um, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of you know coming in at that right number. And so, um, if you were to do one thing over again, what would it be? You know, it just everything went really well, um, and and I just I can't think of anything. I, I you know I talked about the SBA, and at the at the time I really thought 
you know, I was I was taking the sec second best solution by doing the promissory note, but in hindsight, I think it, it turned out to be the best thing. Um, otherwise, it just was a smooth transition. Uh, there really weren't any hiccups. I had the right team in place. Uh, you know, I guess one thing, I didn't have somebody like you, Ryan, which um, I probably should have um, at the beginning to um, kind of guide me as to, you know, with this windfall of money and, you know, what are you going to do with it, that kind of thing. I eventually did afterwards have a financial planner that um, helped me and, and guided me through that. But um, yeah, it just went real well. It, uh, you know, there were no hard feelings. And, um, you know, my goal was to see the business continue on and be successful, and it has been. Um, there was no... There really, from what I could tell, there was no exodus of employees that uh, all the key people still stayed on and um, they believed. I had three really good partners and so they believed in, in what they were doing and what they can do and you know, they threw a surprise party for me, which I didn't, uh, I was very surprised and uh, we just had a good time. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm assuming given the business that you were in, it was a pretty kick-ass party. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a. They convinced me it was a Christmas party, and <laughs> um, it turned out to be where I walked in and they did the whole surprise thing. And yeah, I mean, we did it at our warehouse. So I mean, you go into our warehouse, it's it's a, there's props all over the place. I was gonna so say, they, was it a winter wonderland like you had done for <laughs> Chrysler? Yeah, yeah, not that, but they they had a they put up a stage and they did a because we do production, they did uh, video production and interviewed some past customers and past employees. And I mean, for them, it was really easy just to pull something like that together. And uh, so it, it was a really nice event. That's awesome. So where can our listeners find you today? I'm at Calhoun Companies and my email is sthompson at calhouncompanies.com. And uh, I'm selling businesses and I'm loving it. It's just every day I'm talking with business owners and I'm talking with people that want to buy. And uh, the, the activity right now is incredible. There's just a lot of a lot of boomers out there ready to sell. And what's happening is, is you're finding good businesses. A lot of times, you know, the first question the buyer says is, what's wrong with the business? Well, there's a lot of good businesses out there and there's nothing wrong with them. They're just... They're like me. They hit a brick wall and they're they're ready to move on and do something different. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's great. So you know, one last piece of advice that you can give our listeners based on your experience with dealing with other business owners. Well, I would say make sure that when you're ready to sell, that you're making money. Um, it's it's interesting, but believe it or not, sometimes owners don't realize that. And uh, they, they think they have a great business and a great model and really good customers and fantastic employees. And they're doing everything they can at the end of the year not to make money for the tax hit. Uh, but when you're ready to go, uh, you know, you need three good years. So think about it. Three, you know, even three years before you sell, start and, and have a good trend. You know, have, have it so that every year you're, you're showing even more profit. Um, that really is the key because that's the first thing buyers look at, you know, how much money they're making. And if you're not making the money, they won't even look at you. But if you are, then they'll want to dig in and know more. Well, that's great, Sam. I very much appreciate you coming on the show. Okay, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks.